Welcome, 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 welcome to I Change the Narrative, a podcast for and about black men inspiring, supporting, and empowering other black men and other black boys. Please allow me to introduce today's guest. First up, we have Phil Roundtree. He is a dynamic speaker, author, activist, and therapist. He is recognized as a 2018 BE Modern Man Honoree, TED Talk speaker, whose idea is worth spreading. Um, he talks about Black Mental Health Matters, garnered rave reviews. He is the host of Rhetorically Speaking, a live daily digital show on YouTube, and the weekly podcast hashtag, you good man? a men's wellness podcast on all streaming platforms. He is also the founder of Quantify LLC. Did I say that correctly? Welcome, Phil. Thank you. We have next Sherman N. Nelson Jr. He is the husband to one wife, Precious, father to one daughter, Harper. He has been a personal trainer since 1999. He's trained over 300 people um, and his style of fitness is a fitness edutainment um, style, which has produced results for many people of all ages and lifestyles. He, over 30 years, he has experience in Taekwondo, receiving his fourth degree black belt. He is also the associate pastor and digital worship leader at Carolina Missionary Baptist Church, serving under senior pastor, Anthony Moore. He is also the author of two books, Flowing from the Heart, Letters from a Father to a Son, and an ebook, Breakfast for Champions. It's a 21-day devotional. And currently he's working on book three. And last but not least, we have the man, the jack of all trades, Jack Norman. He is a family man businessman. He's also a corporate sales executive real estate investor and pastor. His work in the community includes his role and founder, CEO of Norman Education Fund, a nonprofit providing educational scholarships for college-bound students. He is also active in the community through Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated and Grace Place Food Shelter in Monroe, Louisiana. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much um, for agreeing to be on the show. We welcome you. Today's topic is matters of the heart, rebuilding and healing broken. We're just gonna dive right into it. And I want to start off with three thoughts. Mentally da damaged, emotionally crippled, and not wanting to compromise the black man's machismo. How does one recover? How does the black man recover from intergenerational patterns and issues? How does the black man uncover recover from 
ancestral trauma. Help us out. Anyone can take it. Phil, your 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 um mic is muted. Okay. Anyone can take it. Okay, so I, I'll go. I thought I was deferring to Phil, and and he wasn't getting the signal. I was trying to send him telepathically. But <laughs> you go first, bro. Um, I think the 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 first thing that that we have to do is kind of recognize what space we currently occupy. Um, raised by a single, so I, I check all the boxes. Raised by a single mother, father wasn't in the home. Um, grew up without that constant male leadership and guidance on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, it wasn't until I was 40 that I recognized that until I addressed that hole that was still um, in the middle of my heart, I wouldn't be prepared to father children. Um, and I wouldn't be prepared to be a good dad. And so I had to kind of come to terms with it and then reach back and have the 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 uncomfortable conversations with my dad to find out to share with him my thoughts on what I thought I was missing um, and where I thought there was a void. And in those conversations, I found out that my father, um, my grandfather was taken from my father's life when he was young. And so he did what he knew to do without having someone give the tutelage, parental tutelage. So it's easy to understand, easier to understand why he may not have picked up on some of my cues because there was no one to pick up on his cues. Mm. And it is those uncomfortable conversations that get us to understand the space we currently occupy. Before we start talking about where we want to go, we have to really, I had to really recognize where am I right now? And once I came and was present to the, the hurt that I was actually feeling that masked itself as anger, um, I was able to kind of start having that wound start heal itself and put me on the path to to um, getting myself present to who I'm supposed to be. And now I, you know, the greatest job, I was just talking to my neighbor, the greatest job I have is to be a husband and a father. Mm -hmm. And I'm thrilled to do those jobs now. Not that I'm, I'm probably not the world's greatest, but I'm the greatest to this wife and to this daughter. And those are the only two that really matter. Yeah, I, I would echo, I would echo and jump in right after Brother Nelson there. I'm a product of a divorced home as well. Um, you know, one of my most poignant childhood memories is uh, when my parents separated, waiting for my dad to come pick me up and waiting mm. by the door. And, you know, he'll be here at 10 o'clock and then 12 o'clock and then all day. Uh, I mean, I still get a lump in my throat thinking about the disappointment. So I said it to say, again, I feel you on the, you know, understanding where we are now, but we also have to deal with the past. Even though it's water under the bridge, there's nothing that can be done about it. For me, that made me even more motivated, if I can use that word, to be a better father to my own two daughters. And mm -hmm. in that process, that was healing and therapeutic for me to, you know, just say, hey, being a father, hey, there's not a manual that you can read, but um, I think the most part, the mo for the most part, I think you would agree is that you just got to be present. A big part of it is just being present. You know, and um, and just trying to to give them. It's like, how, how are you such a good father? It's like, well, I try to just give my kids everything that I didn't have. You know, mm -hmm. I had a father that was not there, that was not engaged fully in my in my upbringing. And so for, for me, that's kind of how we I've dealt with the I guess the past brokenness or the childhood trauma of, of, of being raised by a single mom and just having to learn some things the hard way because I didn't have that consistent 
male presence in my life. So yeah. uh, again, my situation is a little bit different. I got daughters, so it's a kind of a different dynamic, but the fatherhood piece is still uh, very imperative and very critical. Um, I, I guess I echo what, what the brothers were saying, uh, just this idea of dealing with his historical trauma. We know the impact that it has on, on how black men and boys show up um, in, in, a, in their adulthood. So it's important to, to truly begin that work as early as possible. And we talk about work, we're talking about therapy, we're talking about learning healthy coping strategies, we're, you know, we're, we're talking about um, I, uh, teaching healthier modes of, of communication and you know just other skill sets that are necessary to 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 help one progress in a, in a healthy manner as they as they age. Mm -hmm. So, if a person is unable to afford a therapist, what would you suggest in how um, to deal with that? I, and I mean, in this day and age, even though we, you know, our health care system is awful right there's there's various methods to to get formal therapeutic treatment when i say formal i'm talking about a, a licensed clinician somebody who's a licensed therapist psychologist psychiatrist um if you have insurance right now we're in a day and age where all insurance companies um provide um if you if you if you have if you have a place of employment, some of them have the, the EOP program where you get five free sessions. Um, when you see specialty on your insurance card, it may have a fee next to it that also includes um, a therapist. Now it may be twenty forty dollars. Now if we're talking about how to afford that for people, yes, it's it's you know some sacrifices that may need to be made. If we're talking about individuals who who have Medicaid or Medicare um they can go to their their local community mental health uh agency and and figure out how to to so it with help in navigating getting a therapist and for those who aren't insured you can still go to these same agencies to to get assistance um they'll just start the process off by helping you get medicaid and, and medicare but again that's the formal process when we talk about the informal process you know, I, I see so many different different groups that are that are popping up everywhere, right? You know, I have a group uh, that I hold on Mondays. Um, there's other groups for Black men. We have Black Men Heal, uh, which has garnered national attention here in Philadelphia because they offer Black men eight free therapy sessions. Um, and so they have a, they, they have that, and then on Sundays. They have a, a men's only group. So it's about doing your due diligence, right? If you if you look up therapists near me or you look up, uh, go to Eventbrite, you'll see some of these types of groups that, that pop up all the time. Then we just talking about that informal support from you know friends and from family. Yes, that's not formal therapy, right? But it's just as important. So those are just my thoughts. Okay. Thank you for that. So um, how has, how do we deal with, I'm sure 
um, from your experiences that anger showed up, you know, growing up, anger matriculated over to your adult life. Um, tell us about that. The, yeah, the, the thing was, is, the thing is, is that it wasn't until later in life that I recognized that I was angry, mm -hmm. but I masked my anger in playfulness. Mm -hmm. And so I'd be angry on the inside and knowing that anger on the outside might get me undesired consequences, I masked it with, well, I'll just be super funny and super, and I'll just laugh my way through it. And I laughed my way over it, and I didn't give the credence to the to the actual emotion of anger. And then again, one day I'm driving down East West Highway, and I just pulled over, um, and it all came out. And I had an actual outburst in my car on the side of the road, um, where I let out 40 years of frustration. And I have been known to avoid certain difficult conversations and just put a smile on my face. And, you know, I was, I was talking to somebody, they were talking about wearing a mask and I was like, bruh, we've been wearing masks for generations. Long before COVID, we were wearing masks and masks inhibit our ability, one, to recognize each other. Two, we don't function as well with the mask on. Mm -hmm. um, because they were talking about, do I wear, do I require people to wear masks when we're working out outside? I'm like, listen, I want you to be, if we're outside in open space, yeah, I want you to be free. Mm -hmm. The point I'm making is, is that I spent a lot of time wearing a mask of comedy, humor, um, and a lot of other things other than being present to what I really felt. And we went to school together, so everybody in school knew me as Sherman's always going, he, one, he's going to be kicking, two, he's going to be telling jokes. Yes. And the telling jokes was hiding a whole bunch of things that I couldn't face. Mm. And then you get to a point, you're like, listen, I'm coming out for the for the 40th year of this show. And this show is getting kind of old. I think, I think we're going to have our closing run. And then you just come to the point where you say, listen, let's be, let's be honest about what I really feel. And again, the, the, the uncomfortable conversation with my dad yielded every result that I and didn't anticipate, but always wanted which is that now he and I are like this. I ended up changing my name to Sherman Nelson Jr. because I am just like my father and I wanted to be named like my father. And one of the greatest days in my life was when I changed my name to his name. That couldn't happen until the uncomfortable conversation. And it had to be, yo, I really feel some kind of way about what I was missing growing up. And I'm not missing, and I'm not, and I'm not throwing blame at you now but I need to at least get this off my chest. And once I got it off my chest, I haven't looked back and the load has been, now, you know, of course we're separated by 700 miles. He lives in Chicago, I live in DC, but there haven't been those heavy days. There haven't been heavy days. And that again, began with an uncomfortable conversation. That's awesome. Jack, what about you? So, so take me back to what your original question was. Um, how do you deal, I think it was, how do you deal with that anger from childhood matriculating over to your adulthood? How did you work through that? 
Um, you know, I think for me, uh, it, it's always better to build a child than it is to try to repair an adult. Um, you know, I look at my own childhood, I see some of the struggles, again, the things that I endured that I, I would not have had to. I think, um, you know, I had mentors. I was a part of a little brother's program when I was, you know, in high school. And um, I would say even now, I, you know, brother, if you're 30, 40, 50, whoever going to listen to this, we all need a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, that mentor may not may or may not be a father. It could be somebody in your community, somebody in your church, somebody that you can look up to. Um, that's going to give you some 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 godly wisdom, some some sound wisdom, uh, and somebody that you can be vulnerable with. So for mm-hmm. me, I had to surround myself with people, uh, friends, fraternity brothers, people that would uh, hold me accountable, but that people that would also see the best in me and speak to the best in me, um, and then also give me some constructive criticism. So I, I think for me, the, the evolution of Jack Norman. Uh, I think Brother Browntree and, and Brother Nelson would probably agree with a big part of that was a circle of people that we were around and mm-hmm. how those people have, have, have challenged us, have, have cultivated us, um, have motivated us. I mean, all those things. I mean, show me your friends and, I, you know, I'll show you your future. So I think mm-hmm. we've got to surround ourselves with people. Like I said, and that involves having some tough conversations mm-hmm. um, that involves somebody telling you, hey, bro, that's crazy. Don't do that. You know, uh, whether it relates to our physical health, our, our relationships that we're in, how we handle our finances, all of that. We have to be willing to surround ourselves uh, with people that are that are going to going to test us. You know, so um, when, you know, when we preach, we always say something like, hey, you know, uh, uh, um, eagles don't hang out with chickens. So you can't be better unless you're hanging out with better. And I want to be, you know, I want to hang out with better. I want to hang out with people that are going to challenge me. Not that I'm in competition with anybody because I love to see brothers doing doing things that I aspire to do. And so that right. we can connect and, and in process, I can learn from them and iron sharpens iron and we can all be better individually, but then our communities will be made the better. Right. Yeah, you 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 hit you hit man, you hit on 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 a, a really important part that we need men to challenge us, not compete with us. So I like I need friends. Who, I don't need cheerleaders. I don't need dudes that are like, Sharon, man, you're awesome. Please don't tell me I'm awesome. Please don't tell me I'm great. Challenge me to be greater, to be more awesome, to be better, to, to constantly... Pre- excellence isn't a destination, it's a process. Challenge me to stay on this path of excellence. And then, you know, we can affirm each other, but I don't need the sis boomba. And I think we're in a culture now where if you're not actively cheering for people, people think you're hating on them. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's got to be something other than cheering and hating. There's got to be a middle ground where I'm challenging you. Right. Listen, man, I, I do right. I do well if Jack does well, if Phil does well, if their businesses thrive, if their families thrive, if when people see them, they think that they are powerful men who are caring about their families and communities. That matters to me because I want people to see me that way. Well, they can't see me that way if they don't see anybody that way. So we have to begin to, you know, iron sharpens iron because iron has to be just as hard. The two pieces of iron, iron, wood doesn't sharpen iron because iron runs through wood. Flesh doesn't sharpen iron because iron cuts through flesh. You need something that will be just as rigid, just as determined to kind of sharpen yourself against. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up um, because there are there is such a sensitivity now to challenging and to Correction. That's why I think a lot of people are avoiding mentors because they don't want to be taught and corrected and guided. We want to be given a roadmap to success and then hands off. Leave me alone and let me do what I want to do. And 
I don't want friends like that. I want friends who are in my business, who are like, yo, man, so how are you handling, you know, how are you feeling about COVID-19? Oh, you feel this kind of way? Great. How are things with your wife? Good. How are things with your daughter? How are you handling your business? How are you taking care? Have you gone to get your, your colonoscopy? Have you done that? Come on, man. What are you doing? I need that kind of checkup. Not Yes, we can kick the Willy Bobo about the, the sports and all that other stuff, but that's the icing. The cake has to be care, concern, and challenge. I need you to care, I need you to be concerned, and I need you to challenge me. Um, one thing that Jack said is that you all needed to be vulnerable vulnerable with someone. Suppose you don't have another brother to be vulnerable with, because I do know of black men who don't have anyone to turn to because of the betrayal that they've experienced in the past. Anyone want to take that? Yeah, I, I mean, well, you know, I know vulnerability is, is one of those hot button, you know, cliche words that we've been throwing around, and, and for rightfully so, right? We're talking about somebody being open, somebody being honest, and you know, there's a, there's a distinct possibility that you, well, first when we talk about vulnerability and working through that, that's a process that starts and ends with self. Right. You have to be honest with yourself. You have to learn how to be vulnerable with self. And again, when we talk about these these external services, life therapy, that helps. Uh, but first, again, it's about being honest about what you've experienced It's being honest about what you're you're feeling. I know we had the the conversation on if brothers just talking about anger and what have you, because anger has been given such it's such a, a, a negative definition when it comes to wellness, but anger is definitely healthy, right? I've heard brothers explain reasons why somebody would potentially be angry. And so it's well-deserved anger. And so instead of running and avoiding anger, we need to lean into it, right? And you lean into it and accept it and understand it. That's the process of, of being vulnerable is understanding your emotions. And, and why it is that you're feeling the way that you do. Um, and then hopefully that begins to extend to others. But yes, you might not have a tribe, but you know what? That's the game, right? That's that's the game. You might not have a tribe in, you know, in life. Ideally, no, we, we want to have people uh, because we, you know, we're, we're born to to commune with one another. I did a lot of work with, with boys as a as a child and family therapist, and I'd have to tell them like straight up, this on you, right? You, your your mom, you know, starting from you know they would give me boys for shoot from six to eighteen, but it definitely around that 12, 13, 14 age. I'm like, listen, your mom may not get it, she may not ever get it, right? And that's something you just gonna have to deal with. Your dad may not get it. Right. They may not understand. They they engage in unhealthy behaviors. It's on you. Right. And that's a lot of pressure to tell a, a 12 or 13, 14 year old. But it's a necessary reality. Right. Um, that we 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 have to really start instilling like listen, because then they'll start seeking out the unhealthy from others. Right. If they if if they don't have that that inner resilience, again, that's 
that comes through the trials and tribulations of, of life. So, you know, I'm, I, I know we're big about finding tribe and that's the beauty of social media. And, you know, because you are able to find your tribe a lot easier, right? If you were an introvert who, who liked, um, you know, painting on your walls upside down, it wasn't necessarily a tribe for you back in 1992, right? But in 20, 2020, you can find five people in a Facebook group who like doing the same thing, thing that you are. And so it's important in, to understand how in different areas where you can find your tribe. Um, but when we getting back to the overall arching you know, question, this idea of vulnerability is it, it start and ends with self. In other words, it is a choice that you all have to make in order to heal. Am I hearing that correctly? And it's a, it's a hard ass choice. It's a difficult choice. It's a choice that you have to make day in and day out, hour in and hour out, minute in and minute to the second, right? Be just because our Jennifer Lewis, you know, famed actress, she talked about dealing with bipolar disorder when she was on the breakfast club and she she was like you know she i think in her late 20s she was finally diagnosed and started working through it and it was that recognition that i may be dealing with this for the rest of my life right there, there's no destination when, when it comes to this there's no destination for negative self-talk right because you could do great one day with negative self-talk and the next month the next minute you're right back there. So we talk about vulnerability. It's not a destination, but it's a, a situational thing, mm -hmm. right? And, and you know, people pray for patience and it's just like, no, you're not going to just be, you know, I'm not the religious person here, but you know what I mean? You're not going to just be given patience. You're going to be given situations to where you right. have to exhibit patience and the same thing comes with vulnerability. Wow. Right. Yeah, I, I like the, I like the, the onus that you put on us, Phil to to have that have those mirror moments with yourself minute by minute the mirror doesn't show you what you want to see the mirror shows you what you are so you you get in front of the mirror and you want to be all ripped up and cut up but you soft around the corners the mirror is going to show you the softness around the corners it doesn't show you aspirations it shows you the work and it shows you the work that you need to do and so those conversations are mirror moments. You gotta have them every day. And and you're right. You people ask for Lord, give me more faith. And he's gonna put you in situations where you're gonna have to trust more. And I don't want to trust more. I want I want magical faith that I want a greater capacity to do work without having to do the work. And that only comes, you can only lift more weight from lifting more weight. You have to move more weight to be able to move more weight. So we have to tell one another to be honest with yourself. And if you don't have anybody else, you got yourself. And every day you wake up, be honest with yourself this morning about where you are and what you're doing. This afternoon, check in with yourself. You have to, you need to have staff meetings with yourself throughout the course of the day to check in to make sure that you're right. And then, like you said, we are in a social age where it's easy to find you know, I grew up taking the covers off comic books and putting them on the ceiling and I mirrored my covered my ceiling with comic book covers, not understanding what I was doing to the value of all those comic books. But I guarantee you I could go find a group now of people who want 
comic art on their ceilings. And they'll welcome me in because I'm one of them. So when people say, I don't have anybody to talk to, I think it's, have you done the work to try to find somebody to talk to? They're all, like you said, Phil, and, and you said earlier about the groups of people coming together. I know therapists who are creating groups where it's not about hiring me, it's about coming into this circle and let's have some dialogue. But you have to do some of the work. That accountability has to start with you and it has to, um, the genesis is with you and then we get to play it out. And I think that the when you start that work, other people will, are attracted to that work and they'll come along that pathway and help you out. Absolutely. Um, Jack, did you want to add something? No, I, I just echo what the brother said. I just would add to that, that we've got to be our own worst critic, if that makes sense. Um, you know, mm -hmm. we, we have to uh, continue to be, I mean, renaissance men, which means, you know, we handle every area, you know, our households, our, our jobs, our, what we do in the community. And mm -hmm. I think we just have to uphold that. And, and, and then again, you know, going back to, I think something Phil was saying, being vulnerable means in light of all that, we got to learn how to trust. We have to learn how to trust people and mm -hmm. realize that, that we can't bring baggage from old relationships into new relationships and that everybody is different and people do deserve a chance. So for me, I can say specifically for me with this, in terms of therapy, therapy was a place where I could go where the therapist didn't know me outside of that office. So mm. I can be genuine me and I didn't have to worry about hearing about this or, you know, I mean, some deep, some deep secret stuff that I have never told anybody. And I know that because of the confidentiality and all of that, that, that I didn't have to worry about that coming up again in a conversation or any other shape, form. So for me, the, uh, the, the therapy was very it was worth the time. It was worth the resources and everything that I put in it. So I think we have to find, you know, creative outlets to to to, to work through our anger. Uh, whether it's through exercise, uh, whether it's through art or music or whatever it is, we have to find because uh, I, I think we operate on, on either spectrum. You know, either we're 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 we become so shut down, which is bad, or either we blow up, which is bad. Mm -hmm. And the actual right. the right the right lane is somewhere in the middle. We have to figure out a way to to um, 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 constructively process our anger, our grief, our our, our failures. Um, even our successes. I mean, we've got to learn how to deal with success, just like we got to learn how to deal with failure. And I agree with what the brothers say. Look, you don't have to pray for patience. That life is going to teach you to be patient. You don't have right. to pray, pray for humility. Life is going to put you some. Life will humble you. You know, you you really don't even have to pray for faith because life is going to again is going to create an environment to where you're going to have to walk by faith because there's going to be so many situations that you cannot control. And, and, you know, and you're going to have to have somebody in my in my situation as a Christian. We have to be able to put it in the hands of God and leave it there and trust him with the outcome. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I know you come across um, a lot of your peers and associates and colleagues of other black men who are hurting, who are in pain. How do you. What is the conversation like as far as promoting the idea of honoring your pain? Because it sounds like that's what each of you have had the chance to do. Honor your pain. Um, you know, when I, when I, I mean, cause the group is going virtual, but I, I've been having it now for almost I think it's the second year. 
you know, at one point it was in person and it, you know, it, it got to a point where, and it was a lot of millennial, millennial black men, uh, a few white folk uh, would come through. Um, and it was just this idea of wanting more for self, right? And in the process of wanting more for self, we recognize this, this, this uh, emotional and, and mental wellness, how critical was that was to wanting better for self. And so um, a part of that process is identifying experiences that might not have necessarily been the greatest in, in, in your life and not holding yourself hostage by what it is that you've experienced or, or whatever it is that you're that you've done. Um, you know, especially as we enter this this new age of of redefining what masculinity is right there's a lot of moments you look back and are like kind of cringeworthy but you know you 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 did the best you could with, with what you had right and so I, I think it's recognizing that and accepting that and not holding self hostage because of that you know when we talk about you know i don't know you know honoring pain and all that i like i, I try to stay away from you know stuff like like you know like that just because it's you know it becomes uh it just becomes a a, a cliche part of the journey right when people say do the work like i i'm not interested in hearing do the work i just just do the work you know what i'm saying and so but I, but one thing i i innocently i don't want to say experiment that i do but an exercise that I do where I have a matter of fact, I have it right here for those watching. I, I have this rumble roller, right? And so when I go speak at different places or in therapy sessions, um, or if it's virtual, I'll have you grab something big that's in the area sitting on your lap, right? And what happens is it never fails, you'll have that one person who's preoccupied with it the entire time then you'll have the person who's preoccupied for a little bit and then they're able to refocus and then there's some who okay it's, it's here i acknowledge it keep moving and that's how i view pain right it doesn't go anywhere right it's it's here that experience doesn't leave you right and it can show itself at any moment but it's how do you cope with it? How do you adapt to it? Do you recognize it again? Do you lean into it and say, yeah, I, I know that didn't feel good, um, that experience 20 years ago, but here I am now, right? And honoring you know, honoring yourself for getting to where you are, right? I always say that life is tough. You just make it look easy. You know what I'm saying? So, and that's just the resilience that, that we have because that trumps any type of, of situation we've ever experienced because we're still here to tell the story. Anyone else? Jack or Sherman? I was trying to unmute my thing and I don't know. The, oh, that's okay. Why unmute, man, don't do that to me. No, I like I like that. I like that exercise. Um, and I think that that the danger in it is becoming preoccupied with pain. Mm -hmm. And I have missed all of your presentation because I'm doing this thing you told me. You told me to hold this thing, and I'm so 
preoccupied with holding it. Now I'm thinking about when I foam roll and now I'm thinking about working out and thinking about going to the, and I have missed everything that you've talked about. So I think that we have to, we have to delicately manage how much I focus on the hurt, the loss, the pain, the grief, the, the, the trauma, and how much I internalize it, put it in my pocket, keep it with me because it's going to be with me, but then to continue on the path. Um, and I think that a lot of people are at, they're at the opposite ends of the pendulum. Some people are, all they see is that, and then some people deny that it's even in their lap. And neither of those is a healthy, is a healthy way to be. You've got to find that as with most things, it is usually that middle of the swing where the sweet spot is and getting to that point. But it is, it is, it is impossible to do if you don't recognize the pain, if you don't recognize it. And I like what you say, Phil, about anger. I, I think that every emotion is healthy. And so we should not avoid any of them. But I can't, I don't want to operate out of, I don't want to, I don't want to operate all day out of happiness because this world doesn't, is not really designed for that. So I want to be happy, but manage it. I don't want to operate every day out of pain, out of anger. I want to feel those things and let those things govern my next move. But my next move has to line up with what my purpose is and what I'm supposed to be doing. If, if, if I just operate in the emotion of the moment, that's how we make decisions that we have consequences for later. Um, and I think, again, it's it's managing the, the swing of the pendulum because the pendulum swings every day. You know, they say that only fools are happy all the time. And I agree. It's enough stuff out here that you shouldn't be happy every day. But we, as black men, live with a live with a, a a press on us that some other ethnicities don't have and in my sport i have tons of friends who don't experience what we experience and so they don't know what it's like to have their heart rate accelerate when the cops pull behind you but my heart beats fast as a mug and ain't nothing i don't have i don't have no tickets i don't have no warrants i don't have no drug i don't have no gun i don't have none of that but i don't know what kind of day this person is having and my livelihood depends on them having a really good day. I have friends who are like, yeah, I've never experienced that. They've always been my friend. Okay, that's great. And, I, and I'm glad you have that life, but I don't. And I don't, I'm not raising my children with that life because they're going to be raised in the life that we have. So it is, it is managing those emotions and not getting too swung, swung too far either way. Um, and it's a, it's an everyday, like you said, man, I'm going back to that. And that's going to be my thing moving forward. It's a second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day work. It's never ending work. We must do this work every day. We must be about being attentive to ourselves and our surroundings every single day. Yes, yeah, so I would say, you know, I would say as well, I applaud the brothers for their, for their openness and the dialogue. Um, you know, wherever we're trying to get, whether it's, it's peace or whatever we're trying to find, I mean, it's a it's a journey. It's never really a destination, um, you know. And I like the fact that I, when you think about anger, I mean, I, I really like the term. I guess righteous indignation, you know, uh, us as, especially as black men specifically, there are some things that we should be angry about. You know, we should be angry about the last four years. Uh, we should be angry about police brutality. We should be angry about the, the criminal justice system. Um, so where I live in Louisiana specifically, uh, we have one of the highest rates of recidivism, which means there's a there's a turnstile. 
in the prison system. And one of those reasons is because it's, the prisons are privatized. Um, so there's somebody that's profiting off of, 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 of black men, mostly that are, that are in prison. So things like that. I mean, I'll be, be frank with you. There's some things that I say about that, that I can't say on this podcast. Um, and I'm a pastor and a preacher, but there, there's some things that really genuinely make me angry when I see other people suffering and going through something, um, uh, dealing with an unjust uh, society, frankly. So, so what do we do? So, how do we process that? You know, um, you know, we got to get more involved in the politics, and we got to get more involved in supporting those people that have an agenda that will cater to us. And I think that, that for me, that means you know, not just honoring my pain or whatever however you want to coin the term, but it's honoring the pain that's being dealt with in our community. Um, yeah. and, and I see that Phil and Sherman are—I know they're doing an awesome job every day in whatever lane that they're in and, and i'm committed to doing that uh, as well i wanted to say this one more thing i think uh, we need to address or just continue to address the the role of social media in all of this you know in terms of the millennial and how we deal with this because we didn't grow up with this i'm 42 years old i didn't grow up with this and i'm thankful that i we didn't have instagram and, to, and, and all that stuff because some of the stuff i did i know what went viral. but i just say that to say in terms of it's hard to process all of that in the midst of seeing everything we're inundated with marketing we're inundated with images i mean you're watching a channel there's something on a car run running across the bottom there's something across we're just inundated with so much information and there's just so much to process in the run of a day just information it becomes overwhelming and so i think you know we need to continue to speak to that uh and maybe more specifically again we see the success of people but we don't we don't see the failures and a lot of times when i meet somebody successful i want to know hey what, 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 what you know what was how many no's did you get before you got a yes how many doors were closed in your face before somebody gave you an opportunity that's what i want that's what builds me up and encourages me to know that i'm not alone and that we see quote unquote we see the glory without knowing what the story is uh, and so at the end of the day what, what people post on social media man is usually their highlight reel you know we don't see the bloopers we don't see you know we see the dunks you know, we don't see the missed layups. We don't see the turnovers. We don't see the interceptions. We just see the touchdowns and all of that. So I think in our minds, in the society we live in today in 2020, we have to recognize and, and honor and pay attention to, to social media and the role that it plays and how we make our decisions and how we see things and, and frankly, how we're going to move forward as a society. So you're preaching in here today. I know you're not supposed to preach till tomorrow, but you're preaching in here today, sir. <laughs> No, that 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 that's good, man. That's good. We see the dunks, but we don't see the missed layups. That is, that's a that's a, a whole that's a whole TED talk all by itself. And that we follow we follow with vigor and with passion the dunkers, but they're also missers. Nobody shoots a hundred percent. You get to the baseball hall of fame if you hit four hundred. If you've hit four out of ten, you get to the hall of fame. 300 and you'll be an all-star, you know? Right, right. They talk about Ted um, Kennedy. No. I think his name is Ted. What's his name? Ted Williams. Ted Williams. There you go. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking Bobby Kennedy. Ted Williams hit 400 and they're like, man, that's superhuman. But he missed six of them. Right. And so right. we celebrate those four, but let's not let's not discount the six. And the six is what got him sharp enough to hit the four. You only learn from the losing and the losses and the failures. The, 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 the lows are what get you to the highs. It doesn't work the other way around. Yeah, and, and it's it's a mindset. It's a mindset. Yeah. For me, man, I, I, I never 
I never lose. I either win or I learn. You know, I don't I don't lose. I know what you're saying about the, taking the losses, but I mean, my mindset is like, you know, if, if it seems like I lost and there's something I need to learn from it. So I never really lose. I learn and, or either I win. And I think when you have that type of mindset, you can take even being put in a negative situation and see the opportunity uh, in the situation. And when you have that mindset, it, it, it makes everything the better and it stops it from being a counterproductive situation. Um, well, guys, I just thank you so much for, again, coming on the podcast, I Change the Narrative. Um, are there any last thoughts, because I'm going to honor your time and my time, um, any last thoughts before we um, end this conversation? Um, I, I guess I can start with just, I mean, just remember to breathe. You know, like breathe your way through situations for for black folk, especially. Um, we don't do a, a great job of like literally breathing. We, you know, and a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, and related symptoms uh, come from the fact that we t we hold our breath a lot, right? Which again is related directly related to anxiety. So we need to really focus on our breathing patterns. And, you know, especially where we're in an adverse situation. So uh, remember to breathe and, and take care Thank of yourself. You. Yeah, that's good. I, I'm, 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 I'm going to come down that same street, maybe in a different lane. Give yourself some grace. Um, you know, we recognize that we are the product of our experiences, our choices. And there were some things that were out of your control. Give yourself a break. Before before you try to give other people a break, just give yourself a break. You didn't you didn't conquer the world today. That's okay, but you also are not in a pit today. So today, people say, "Well, what if you don't? What if you have a bad day?" It's relative. Every day is a good day. My my parents still here. My my wife, my spouse is still here. My daughter's still here. It's a good day. My house is still standing. It's a good, it's relatively a good day. So give yourself some grace. Um, but be committed. Be committed to to be Saturday better. I just want to be Saturday better. Tomorrow, I just want to be Sunday better. I'm not trying to be 2021 better. I just want to be Sunday better. And I, I actually, I'm 2021 is is going to be an interesting year already. So we're gonna to have to start giving ourselves some grace. Um, and then once we give it to ourselves, it's easier for us to give it out to other people. Thank you, Jack. Yeah, if it's one message I can leave with the, with you know the brothers that are going to listen to this, say, man, just just take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. I mean, you cannot pour from an empty pitcher. You know, take time for self. Take time to process um, around the golf, a massage, a vacation, whatever, whatever makes you you. You know, for me, it's sometimes it's just a, 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 a latte or something from Starbucks. You know, it just it, whatever it is that that makes you you. Whatever that whatever it is that settles you, you do that, and if you be the best you then every situation and circumstance around you will be better i'm not saying it's going to change um, but you'll be better equipped um to 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 deal with it uh when you're in a good place i like that term you know uh, knowing where you are currently in your current space and, and and giving yourself grace and all that 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 makes perfect sense but it's, it starts with us so we can't be better husbands we can't be better fathers uh if we don't take care of ourselves and that that means in every emotionally 
uh, physically. We need to be, you know, we need to be having those physical checkups. And we're at the point now where your colonoscopy, PSA check, you need to know what your cholesterol is, you need to know what your blood pressure is. All of that is a part of our overall uh, wellness uh, and well-being. And I think that we got to honor that. We got to uh, take ownership of that. Um, and we got to, again, uh, just do all that we can possibly do and, and, and see where the, where the road goes for us. Absolutely. How can um, listeners and viewers follow you all on your social medias? So I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram uh, at the Jack Norman. Uh, that's Twitter and Instagram, and also on Facebook as well. Okay. Um, again, and I just want to say thank you for putting this together, Ms. Williams, and thank you for the invite. I, I feel like I could go on another 30, 45 minutes. I'm just so intrigued by hearing from the brothers in the dialogue and the questions. So thank you so much for doing this. Oh, no problem. Thank you for coming on. Sherman? Um, I'm Sherman Nelson, too, the number two um, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, again, I, I like Jack. I want to thank you. Um, like Jack, I think. I, I, there's so many questions I'd want to ask them. Um, and then maybe we'll come back again at a later date. And, and um, because I'd love to pick their brains, um, but I'm looking forward to brothers hearing this to know that you, it's some other people out there like you who mm -hmm. just, you know, slide up next to somebody else and let's, let's walk this walk out together. Yes. Thank you. Phil. Um, so you can get you can reach me at Phil P H I L underscore Roundtree. That's round is in round, tree is in tree, on all social media. Uh, just echo you know the sentiments. Thank you for having me. Shouts to the brothers for you know for for again taking time because I don't know about y'all, but in Philly it's seventy six degrees right now. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's it's warm down here in DC too. So I'm okay. I'm ready to go right out that door right there. Yeah, exactly. It's still COVID, right? So I, I go on my porch and just chill. You know what I'm saying? Right. But uh, I, I definitely appreciate y'all. Y'all could have been anywhere and you decided to be here. So that's always a good thing when we talk about wellness. Yes. Thank you guys so much um, for just having faith in um, this initiative and having faith in the podcast that it was going to be good quality. So I just appreciate you all again. And I look forward to having you all on again um, to revisit this conversation down the line. Um, so again, thank you so much. And we are, um, you all can join us. For those of you all that are listening, that are viewing, you guys can join us next Saturday, same time, same place at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thanks so much, guys.